I heard they want the news. Well, we got it just for you. What's your team? Who your player? Who your crew? I heard they want the news. The spotlight is on you, and if you want the hot seat, it's times two. I heard they want the news. Come tune in to the crew, but we got the hookup just like black and blue. I heard they want the news. Spotlight sports, what it do? Hit subscribe and that like button too. I heard they want the news Well, we got it just for you What's your team, who your player, who your crew? I heard they want the news The spotlight is on you and if you Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now. Oh yeah, folks, we are back to back and we are live in Las Vegas on a Tuesday. It is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your one and only host behind the mic, Jake the Snake Silva. We're live on all platforms, iHeartRadio, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, and Instagram. Those are the platforms where you can like, follow, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications to get you guys up to date on future and past shows. Because, boy, do we have a lot to talk about. By the way, this is my favorite time of the year. It's cutting week. We're shutting the the rosters down to now 53-man roster. Preseason's officially over. And there's been a lot of notables. Um, The Raiders ended up waving Alex Leatherwood. And man, oh man, oh man, this one's crazy. But a lot of people saw this coming. By the time the Raiders... um, really waved out Alex Leatherwood. That was kind of the end of it. First round, 17th overall pick, and just butchered. And Alex Leatherwood clearly was not a first-round talent, let alone he he gave up 61 pressures on Derek Carr, which is the most amongst interior linemen. So to me, it's not going to cut it. I can kind of see him going into maybe a rebuilding offensive line, maybe somewhere where it's a more competitive, but I don't see him being a starter. I kind of see him being as a reserve or some type of backup in case of injury. But that's kind of where I stand with Alex Leatherwood. But uh, besides all that, we're going to continue on with the NFL because there had been a lot 
of exciting stuff that's going to be coming up coming next weekend as, of course, the official week one season starts up. So uh, one that I really wanted to touch upon. Um, you guys ever watch those movies where there's a um, like there's always a revenge or redeeming part, right? We all love redemptions. We all love revenges at times because sometimes when it comes to the characters in the movies, they normally will at first kind of go through the plotting twist. But once they find out the real truths and the secrets now out, that's where it gets better. So one game, of course, that we've circled on here on the Spotlight Sports Network, of course, is the Cleveland Browns against the Carolina Panthers. And Baker Mayfield had been announced to be week one starter. And this is a young, rebuilding roster. It's very clear, as far as Carolina is concerned, Dave Tepper, the owner, wants this team to be competitive. They want to be in a win-now moment. But right now is not the time. There is still an awful lot of rebuilding that this Panthers organization has to do in order for this team to be back on track. But they did end up acquiring some good pieces during the draft, during free agency. Um, They did let go of a couple of key pieces, but this is a young rebuilding um, team. So with Baker Mayfield as the starter and Sam Darnold's career, honestly, I think it's done. I mean, Darnold had multiple chances and multiple opportunities but could never fulfill them. I know bits and pieces of that is, well, he had the wrong head coach. That's true in some cases because Adam Gase really has not helped out Ryan Tannehill or Sam Darnold's development. And we all knew this. So we go to Carolina with Matt Rule, who knows exactly how to reshape, rebuild teams like he had in college with Temple, Baylor, you know, and, it, and it's interesting, but once Sam Darnold entered the building, we thought this is a fresh new spot. He's got better weapons. He's got a really good, healthy run game. He's away from the Jets organization. And after six weeks of the, of the season, it all seemed the same, but this is where now um, come preseason, he was carted off the field. And that's where Baker Mayfield now comes in. And Baker's got a huge chip on his shoulder, which is why I think it's exciting. I think it might be a little bit dangerous, which most of us football fans, we kind of like dangerous to some degree. I don't think Baker Mayfield is honestly my cup of tea when it comes to quarterback. But in a game like this, where you're facing against your former club, who's all in on Deshaun Watson, who's suspended for 11 games after every piece of evidence and allegations against him. That's what the NFL and Roger Goodell struck. So the Browns are now without their star quarterback, and they now have Jacoby Brissett. And the way they handled things with Baker Mayfield, that's where it leaves the chip on his shoulder. And I don't blame Baker Mayfield. Now, there were a part of his character and a part of his quarterback judgments I'm not very fond of. I think that there needed to be mass adjustments to that. But besides all of that, he is a franchise quarterback. 
He is somebody that I think you could win games with. Being in Carolina gives him a fresh new face. And Baker literally tweeted this out. The second, and he's got Cleveland right there on his schedule at week one, which I think is perfect to start the season. You're going to watch Baker against Cleveland. You're going to watch Russell Wilson against Seattle. And you're going to watch several teams, whether it's payback from the finishes from last year, maybe it's payback from what the organization had dealt with with certain players. This week one is going to be exciting. I mean, you cannot begin to imagine what the vibe is going to be like when the commanders play the Eagles and Carson Wentz comes back to Philly. You can't imagine what the temperature in the room must be like. But there is chock full of it this year. So Baker's going to have the opportunity to step onto the field against Cleveland. And one of the tweets that he pointed out, which this is where the dangerous side comes in and cutting out the explicatives, he says, I'll F them up. So it tells you already how Baker kind of feels about this game. He's hyped. He's excited. I think part of it is this could be a redeeming year for, for Baker Mayfield. I know that with the last few years he spent in Cleveland, number one overall pick, I don't even think he was worthy as being a number one overall, but he is a first-round draft pick. Um, in some degrees, you've, he's had plenty of weapons, and there was so much pressure. OBJ, David Njoku, um, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, there were several pieces all around him. They tried to make it work, but all it was was it was creating pressure around one position quarterback. That's where Baker was just kind of overwhelmed. Here in Carolina, he's got decent pieces. You know, you got DJ Moore, you got Robbie Anderson, you now have LaVisca Chenault, you've got Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard, and you've also got a decent tight end. So there's something to be excited about. And it's a rebuilding defense with Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin. So there's something you could kind of take the weight off, take the pressure out, and just focus and master your game. That's really ultimately what the game plan has to be for Baker. And he's done that all through camp. And by the way, the last few interviews that we've had in camp with Baker Bayfield, you could tell there's a change in his demeanor. A lot more poised. He's a lot more um, understandable. He's not pressing in too hard with the media because back then in Cleveland, as high as it is, I mean, Cleveland media was just destroying him. So I think in those areas, um, it's kind of interesting. But that's where now Baker Mayfield takes the right step back reshapes, redefine his game, and master it the best way possible. And I think he, put, he could very much be very productive. I don't think this will be a roster that could make it into the playoffs, but this could be one that actually you could see the front office say, this is a promising roster. And mind you, they already drafted a young quarterback in Matt Corral who's going to be out for the year. But at least there's a plan in place. But that's why I'm like, when it comes to Carolina and Cleveland, 
I think this is the game for Baker to win. Because Cleveland, the only way this game's going to be close is unless that defense bails them out. Because I like Joby, Jacoby Brissett, but you're dealing with Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and several other, um, you know, I think several other three receivers there. And then you have David and Joku. So there are some options. And we know that um, Nick Chubb is lethal on the ground. So there may be chances where Cleveland will be up into this game. But I guarantee you, all eyes are going to be on Baker. And all eyes are going to be on how Cleveland really handles it. All right. Um, so I never got a chance to really get my take up on this, but I thought that this was interesting. We're shifting up into the NBA. And um, so the Lakers, as we mentioned, you know, they've been all over the sports feed now for the last few months, re- revolving around LeBron James and then Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. And, you know, what exactly is the organization going to do after they miss the playoffs? So, um, so the Lakers did a thing. And they decided they wanted to trade and pick up Patrick Beverly. And here's where I think this is going to feel a little uncomfortable for Russell Westbrook. Because you could tell that Russ is the massive elephant in the room. The Lakers and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Mind you, once LeBron got here, He wanted Anthony Davis. He wanted to build the core around those two players. And he did. They won a title. And then since then, they brought in more veterans. Carmelo, Rajon Rondo, um, Dwight Howard, several players who, in my opinion, have been so past their prime. So, and, And I made this point that the Lakers would have not only needed to blow this thing up, but they needed to reshape this better. Because look around you in the league. There are teams that are are either 60-40 young, or they're half and half with youngsters and veterans. And these are good amounts. I mean, if you look at Milwaukee, it's a young roster filled with the right veteran pieces. And that's why the team is so lethal defensively. They have the right pieces in the right scenarios and situations. So here's my, here's my thought with the Lakers. And the Lakers needed to make this happen because why they took on a contract like Russell Westbrook is beyond me. We all knew, the whole entire league knows what you're going to get when you bring in Russell Westbrook. You're going to get somebody who's more active in iso ball. You're going to get somebody who's very hyper-athletic, loves the triple-doubles, is going to spend the most time upon the floor, can barely shoot threes, and at times can be a liability when it comes to the chemistry on the floor. And LeBron knows this. So when the Lakers make a move for Patrick Beverly, and I think this is the ideal fit the Lakers needed. Patrick Beverly, if you recall from the times in the Clippers, I know a lot of people kind of talk so much on Twitter about you know the character and what he is. 
But Patrick Beverly, it's kind of unique. In this case, he's going to serve as the Draymond Green of the Lakers because sometimes you do need a kick in the you-know-what. Sometimes you kind of need a little bit more of that dog feel because I felt like that the Lakers over the last few seasons, we've seen some spurts where they've actually been very productive and then spurts where they have fallen apart. So there's been so much of this inconsistent wave And that's why here we are now with the Lakers roster. Still particularly the same, although it's going to make things very odd, very uncomfortable for Russell Westbrook. But maybe that's the whole point of it. You could tell who the elephant is in the room. When you start to see how this roster gels, last season, this team was just embarrassing to watch. I mean, people talked about Los Angeles like all over the medias. Like this is not how the Lakers were meant to be pictured as. So to me, I think you're getting some guarantees from Patrick Beverly. And this is what I mean. You're getting somebody who can be in your face, heckles, and gets into the opposing team's head. You're also getting somebody who could also produce within the perimeter and give you important points when you need him. He's also somebody that definitely works well on defense. So why wouldn't you love this move? I think this is the perfect ideal fit for the Lakers and for Patrick Beverly. He's used to Los Angeles. If you recall how the the Clippers were, I mean, Patrick Beverly was all over the Lakers roster. He was in LeBron's head. He was in Anthony Davis's head. He was in everybody's head. That just tells you how valuable you could have someone like that. It's like you're having an enforcer in hockey because you've got your lethal shooters, you've got your lethal defenders, your elite defenders, and then you have that one enforcer that just likes to shake things up. Now, I know things have changed because of the pace of the game, but sometimes they're valuable. They're valuable to some spurts and some degrees. Sometimes they change the temperatures in the room. Sometimes they end up, you know, instilling urgencies. But Patrick Beverly, to me personally, I'd rather take this than I would of, you know, Russell Westbrook, honestly, being a liability on this roster and on the court, somebody who is very much ISO because you cannot take the ball away from Russell Westbrook. You know, and you have to recall the times in Oklahoma City. That's why Kevin Durant didn't want to be around it. That's why James Harden wanted to thrive in Houston. You know, everybody wants to shun on James Harden and Kevin Durant when all along the bigger picture is it's Russell Westbrook. You can't win a championship with this type of mentality and this type of gameplay. I mean, you really think Kobe Bryant would have let this happen? Would have honestly had this in the middle of the court? He'd be losing his mind. He'd be saying... I don't know what you got to do, but you better get him the hell out. And that's honestly like where you're starting to see where the Lakers are shifting. This is one of those uncomfortable scenarios that Russell Westbrook is going to be in. And I love it because now that's going to push some buttons. You either are going to be the contributor or the liability because in the end, 
this is a this is a prestigious franchise in the Lakers. And LA media, they're pretty harsh. I don't know if they're as harsh as Philadelphia and Chicago and New York media, but they're pretty harsh. And there are a lot of realistic Laker fans that see this roster and understand this pace of play has got to change because this is not how this team was meant to perform. So I like the move. I think this is exactly what the Lakers needed. They needed a good kick in the you-know-what. They also needed somebody that could be a very good contributor, whether offensively or defensively. And I think Patrick Beverly really does fit the bill. I think in the end, because LeBron is literally like looking at this whole thing. And I think this is really going to shape things up. He knows how valuable Patrick Beverly will be as far as someone getting into the opposing team's head. So at that point, like, because Russell Westbrook, he's all about himself. And that's why a lot of teams, you've seen him shift everywhere from OKC to Houston to Washington to the Lakers to several teams. And nobody wants to play with that. Nobody even wants to gel with it. But that's where deep down, if you're Russell Westbrook, you have to consider those. You either are a contributor or a liability. Um, good stuff. We got a lot coming up around the corner. Um, by the way, in the bottom half of the hour, we've got our NHL predictions um, for every team. And uh, especially now that we are past free agency and the draft in the NHL. And we are right around the corner from a brand new year, and, um, and I'm kind of excited about it. So I, I will share with you exactly like what I do feel for some of these players on this roster. And because um, I'm telling you, there are some teams right now that have definitely heated up. So you guys do not want to end up missing that. Plus, um, you know, I talked about the Chicago Bears yesterday, but I think this team particularly, the Detroit Lions, this is going to be one of those years I don't think any of us in America should even sleep on what potentially Detroit has in store. I will explain about that coming up next. All right. Um, for all of my fantasy, uh, for all of my fantasy competitors, and of course, all of my betting guys all about there, you guys love sports betting and you guys also love. Um, you guys love love having all the fun in the like up into uh the best sports book that you could possibly think of. Um, <laughs> I'm just I apologize. I'm so excited, but I love this. Um, but there's so much going on on one particular app, and that is SuperDraftPro.com. SuperDraftPro is the proud partner of caesar's entertainment and there is so much that you could like about super draft pro daily fantasy matchups where you could create build your rosters every day every week especially when we got football contests coming up plus you've also got a free sports book making your bets place your bets up right win cash win money 
and also win cool cash prizes as well. And when you end up referring, tell them Jake the Snake sent you on SuperDraftPro.com. Don't have the app? Download it on your mobile device through Google Play and the App Store. Download like a pro. Sign up like a pro. Like a pro. Play and share with your friends and families like a pro with SuperDraftPro.com. That's SuperDraftPro.com. Bitch, I'm a ball, bitch, I'm a ball I'm in no ball, I'm in no ball What's in my cup, what's in my cup All of that punch, look at that punch Bitch, I'm a ball, ballin' like Kobe Ho, keep it moving, cause you do not know me Bitch, I'm a ball, ballin' like Kobe Ho, keep it moving, cause you do not know me Bitch, I'm a ball, I ain't talking about walking Tell my dog sick of me, I ain't do no barking Pass me some greens, you know I'ma spark it Mama got ass, told her to arch it Pull up at the spot, hop out and don't park it Be no say, I always keep one in the cartridge With Joey, I'll paper, so we Going toxic, came from the swamp to visit the choppers. Check out the scenery. Tell them I went to the backwoods right by the lake.
Nick back here with you on the Six Foot Puck Day. Boy, some very spicy stuff that have been coming up all around in the NFL, and I cannot wait for week one to start up soon. But um, I certainly wanted to talk about one team in particular in the NFC North, and that's the Detroit Lions. So, you know, um, it's interesting looking at all the teams and we've talked about this this has been the interesting division in the nfl and that's the nfc north uh it's really like i just kind of look at this and i know minnesota is gonna completely look like a different team uh after all of like the stories that have happened in minnesota between kirk cousins and mike zimmer and um them just kind of bucking heads and not really getting along, really kind of told you a lot about just what the straining relationship really looked like. So to me, um, I truly think that you're going to see a change in the Minnesota Vikings. I think with Kevin O'Connell there, there's more offense that's going to be induced. There's more opportunities that you can kind of see Minnesota really take advantage of. Now, they do have to rebuild their defense. Um, there's parts of it that they might need to get some different linebackers. They need to fix up that front line. It looks looks really good, and it's almost close to being near done. But I like with where this roster is going. And they've got plenty of offensive options. Whereas in Green Bay, you still have Aaron Rodgers, you still have Aaron Jones, and you've got a whole new cast of wide receivers. So unless if he really figures it out, then maybe there's a chance for the Packers and they may actually shoot for a wild card spot. As far as Chicago goes, they're still stuck in the 1950s. They haven't moved on at all from their tradition. And that's why I kind of fear fear for Justin Fields' career. But there's one team in particular that's interesting, and that's the Detroit Lions. And they've been on hard knocks um, on HBO. If you haven't seen it, it's a great show. I think Hard Knocks really does a great job with their media department and how they kind of set everything up. So uh, the Detroit Lions, they had acquired a lot of real good pieces. And this is Dan Campbell's second year. Now, a lot of people, I myself included, was not sure if I truly trust Dan Campbell because He's got a hell of a character. He's very emotional. He's very invested. And especially when it comes to the, um, especially when it comes to the media. I mean, Dan Campbell, he's quite the character. He's very interesting. But in a sense, there's kind of a change in the chemistry in the Detroit locker room. Players are in all in, they're invested. That's why I think you're going to see a different look from Detroit this year. And they've only had three wins last year. But they stayed in a series of games. I mean, hell, they stayed all throughout the first half against the Green Bay Packers, which is unheard of. And you know you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers and you're dealing with that entire offense and defense of Green Bay. But they managed to stay in those games. And... There were several other games that they've also fought hard and they kind of missed the ball. But I think this year, because they finally got down to the centerpiece of this organization, because lots of players, they're all coming back. 
you get a bunch of different new ones, and you also draft Aiden Hutchinson and Jamison Williams, real good top quality players that I think fit this roster. And plus, this is Jared Goff's second year in Detroit. So who knows how big of a jump this will be. Um, I know with how everybody feels about Jared Goff, not exactly the guy that's willing to take a team over the top, but you got to mind yourself. He did have Sean McVay at one point. And once McVay moved on, got Matthew Stafford, won a Super Bowl, I mean, that kind of tells you a lot about how Jared Goff may be feeling in the end. But he learned from a very great competitor in Sean McVay. So this year and this season in Dan Campbell's second year, this is kind of interesting. If you watched Hard Knocks, there's a lot of emotion that's flying in the air. Players are very much invested. They're all in on this. And I think they may possibly be a team that could be shooting for eight, possibly nine wins. Because if you look at this schedule in Detroit, this is who they've got. You got Jalen Hurts at quarterback in week one. You got Carson Wentz, Kirk, um, Kirk Cousins. You got Geno Smith in Seattle. You've also got New England. And then you had the bye in week six. So in the first five games of the season, when you look at Detroit, I mean, if you look at it, I think they might drop their first loss against the Eagles, but they might give them a hard time. Then there's Washington, who who knows how Carson Wentz is really going to come out of the gate. Then you have your division rival, which is Minnesota, and I feel like they might get they might get torched. And then the two games that I think could be very interesting are Seattle and New England. So to me, they may be three and two by five games. If they get to that point where they win against Seattle, win against New England, possibly win against Washington, that could be an interesting trend. Then it goes all the way on to Dallas, Miami, Green Bay, Chicago, the Giants, Bills, Jags, Vikings, the Jets, uh, Carolina, Chicago, and then there's Green Bay at the end of the season. So if you actually looked at it, if they're five, if they're three and two in the first five games, I think they'll drop against Dallas. They they'll drop against Miami. It might be a rough three weeks against you know some of those tier teams between Dallas, Miami, and Green Bay. I'd be shocked if they actually pulled out a win against Dallas or even Green Bay. But I, I could see where they can get a win against Chicago, a win against the Giants, drop one against the Bills, winning against Jacksonville. Because honestly, like Jacksonville's defense is still rebuilding. So there's no way to end up containing how this offense plays out. Then you got the second time around facing against Minnesota, and maybe they might turn things around. And then the Jets, I think Carolina, both of those are toss-up games, and then you've got Chicago and Green Bay. So all together, you could possibly see this team be a 7-8 win team, but I'd be surprised if they end up getting nine wins. Because if you look at this roster with Jared Goff, Jamison Williams, DJ Chark, uh, Amonra St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, after watching him preseason, he's he's looked the healthiest he's ever been, and he looks like he's going to be primed for a big year. I know a lot of people kind of have speculations about Dan Campbell, but look at all the teams in the NFC. 
There's only four that you could guarantee that could be competitive. That's the Bucks. That's the Rams. That's the Niners. And then you have, um, and, and then you've got uh, Minnesota, and also Philadelphia. So there are four teams. So I think Philadelphia would be up on that list. So Bucks, Rams, 49ers, Eagles. Those are the four. The ones that you could possibly see be up on the rise are the Vikings, the Cardinals, um, the Saints, and then Green Bay's there. If Minnesota, if uh, Detroit becomes that fifth team that literally could be up on the rise, I know with how people kind of feel about Dallas, I'm questionable, questionable about them too. But I like Dak Prescott in these situations. I mean, yeah, he's going to be dealing with a mess. But Dak Prescott, his maturity, his understanding of this offense and this team could be an edge. But if looking at Detroit and looking at how their defense is even set up, by the way, you're getting a full healthy season out of Jeff Okuda. So the defense might actually produce better. And there's some promising things you got to love about Aiden Hutchinson. I think they found their true edge rusher. So, I mean, aside from biting kneecaps and walking around the whole stadium with an actual lion all there and and just really kind of hyping up this team. I mean, Jamal Williams said it best. And, and the amount of times you kind of watch this team and see how emotional that they are, and Jamal Williams, who's best at the press, um, you could kind of tell. There's some heart in this team, which a lot of people who watch Hard Knocks, how can you not love that? How can you not secretively root for a team that for years and years and years, they've been a bad ran franchise. They've ran Matthew Stafford almost close toward the ground until they did the right thing. Send him to Los Angeles. He goes and wins a championship and they did him a favor. I mean, there's some heart to this organization. But if they match this well, and they come out and they're winning seven, eight games. I could see them doing it. So, and and this is a questionable Carson Wentz with a few teams like Chicago twice. Um, you could possibly double dip with Minnesota. Not sure how you'll play against Green Bay. And then you have the Jets and you have Carolina and you got a several other teams. This roster, this whole schedule is kind of meant for Detroit to make a come up. If you actually look at the strength of this schedule, because of those four, I mentioned the NFC, like there's nobody else that I can honestly think of that Detroit would not have a problem with because Detroit may have a problem with Philly. They're, a, they're pretty much on the rise and they're a loaded team. Um, you know, Green Bay at times, you got Aaron Rodgers, that becomes a problem. But out of everybody else on that on that whole entirety of the schedule, I could kind of see them being an eight seven, but I'd be pretty shocked if they're a nine win team. In my opinion, I think this would be the perfect thing. This is like the best break if you're a Detroit Lions fan that you would ever get. All right, time for the hot press. So plenty of news surrounding in the NFL, which of course. It's cut week this week, so 
several teams, several players to really kind of consider here. Um, as we mentioned before, um, Alex Leatherwood, the 17th pick in the draft for the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders have decided and they've came to terms that they are cutting and waving Alex Leatherwood. He's gone and done from the roster. Leatherwood, since his tenure being there with the Raiders, he's the one offensive lineman who gave up the most pressures to their their team quarterback, and that's 61. That's a big deal. Now, remi- now, mind you, the Raiders have a couple good offensive pieces. Like Colton Miller, I think, is very solid. But ever since they made that trade away with Rodney Hudson and several others on this offensive line, this has not been the same Raiders O-line that we've seen. Now, I kind of look at it as Alex Leatherwood. He was, it's an obvious reach. It was clearly an Al Davis Raiders traditional reach pick. And you got to think about it. This is what's crazy. A lot of the Raiders first round picks, Cleveland Farrell declined of a fifth year option. Josh Jacobs declined of a fifth year option. Damon Arnett was cut. Um, Henry Ruggs has been cut. Then you got Alex Leatherwood who gets cut. And the only pieces that really hit for the Raiders, I think in my opinion, would be Trayvon Merrick. I mean, he he could be an honestly true lockdown secondary. And I love the Trayvon Merrick pick. And I was pretty surprised he didn't even go in the first round. And the Raiders are very lucky that they were able to land him in the second round. But besides all that, you're getting a true secondary lockdown player. And so that, to me, there's a lot of hopefuls in the in the midst of that. So besides that, they then trade away Trayvon Mullen to the Arizona Cardinals for a seventh-round pick. Now, Trayvon Mullen has had some prior successes with the Raiders, but since then, it's been kind of inconsistent here and there. Um, I think that if you're getting a conditional pick, I would use it wisely. I think maybe recover some money from the cap, but this thing with Alex Leatherwood, I mean, they're going to have to recover on it, and I think after cutting a lot of players from for the 53-man roster today, don't be surprised if you start to see the Raiders really start inquiring, making phone calls, and finding some decent offensive linemen to really fill in the holes. So that's kind of where we are with uh, with Alex Leatherwood from here. All right, so, um, so of course, the news that have been coming up in college football. So as we mentioned before, after the embarrassing loss to Northwestern, uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers head coach Scott Frost said he's not at odds with the offensive coordinator Mark Whipple following season opening loss to Northwestern. So um, so in the middle of this, um, on Tuesday, there is no tension between him and new offensive coordinator Mark Whipple following the Cornhusker season opening loss to Northwestern in Ireland. And Scott Frost has been 15 and 30 over five seasons since he took the, uh, the Nebraska job. And he said, and he said in his remarks, minutes after the 31 to 28 loss, that the Huskers need to be more creative on offense, and the coaching staff must work 
be- uh, together better. So, I don't know. I, 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 I look at Scott Frost, and listen, if you watch the Scott Frost from UCF and then watch the Scott Frost here in Nebraska, this is a completely different conference that you're playing in. And Scott Frost had so much success in Central Florida, which once he took this Nebraska job, we thought that Nebraska would be on the rise because we haven't seen a a dominating Nebraska program since the 90s. And ever since then, being 15 and 30, plus being 4 and 20, when trailing in the first half, like, this has not been a great look at all for this program. And mind you, you get stories all over college football. And coaches come and go all the time. But in this case, there was a high immense amount of expectation. I don't truly think that Nebraska is really a strong enough program in this conference, in my opinion. I think that if you're going to move them in a better position, I would honestly move to the Big 12. Because if you're not winning conference games and you're not winning the champ- the conference championships year after year, you've got something that's an issue in this program, let alone even being eligible for a bowl game. I mean, Nebraska, you never see not end up in a bowl game and in the, in the worst way, not end up winning a bowl game. So... Something's going to change. And I don't know how long that this relationship between Scott Frost and Nebraska is going to be in this program. But I can tell you, if we start to see in the next two or three games of this season that things are trending downward, that's going to be the end of Scott Frost's tenure. Because I, I just truly think that this relationship has been strained Nothing has really been done in this program. Um, so this has looked really bad. This has looked really, really bad for this um, for this Nebraska organization. All right, so that was your hot press. All right, folks. Well, my best for last, as I do have here on the show, is I appreciate everybody who has come on and watched here on the show. And thank you all for your guys' love and support here on the show. Uh, Do like, follow, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications on the Snake Sports Talk Show. And keep yourselves up to date. Plus, too, we've got plenty of merchandises. It's red hot right now, especially with the summer season cooling down. And we're getting ready for fall and winter season. We got hoodies, we got beanies, we got so much more. All of our merchandises are down in the links below. So you don't want to end up missing out on it. That's spotlightsportgear.com under underneath the bio link below. Check out the link tree and get yourselves geared up. And rep for your favorite shows on the network and also rep for your favorite network on all social media platforms. So, all right. So the NHL season, because I haven't been able to talk about it a whole lot, but things are definitely going to start to change. As I've said before, there's positive changes, time changes that are going to be going around, uh, schedule changes as well. I'm going to announce this as well on my stories altogether. So that that way you guys are up to date with all the, you know, the latest um, 
time shifts and schedule shifts so that you guys don't miss a beat. But it's very highly likely that we will end up being a Friday and a weekend show as well. So you don't want to end up missing that as well. So, um, so there's been lots of changes in the NHL lately. And, um, and I'm starting to see exactly like all these teams after the draft, after free agency, um, there's a ton of competition that's happening all around. And I'm excited for what this, this season is truly going to bring us. So um, we got preseason around the corner. The regular season always starts up close to October. And that's just about right as the NFL season kicks off. So sports is coming back in a massive way. So, um, so we're going to play a game. And these are kind of my personal thoughts after reviewing and analyzing every team in the NHL from the draft to free agency, what they've done, especially head coaching hires. So here we go. This will be the biggest trend up, trend down segment, NHL edition. Um, And here we go. So first team that I have as we're focusing in on the Pacific Division. So um, let's look at what we're looking at with the LA Kings. Trend up or trend down? I'm going to trend up for the LA Kings. By the way, they they changed a lot after last the last couple of seasons. They've been that kind of organization that they've relied on a lot of their old veterans. But this, this past season and this season has been a completely different narrative for them. So I think the Kings, I'm trending them up because they go and get Kevin Viala. They go and get a couple of really good defensive pieces, and they've also drafted really good. So this tells me that they're still working with their core pieces, Anchi Kopitar, uh, Drew Doughty, and Jonathan Quick, even though Jonathan Quick, not the same as he was, but he is the voice next to Cal Peterson. So I think the Kings really have reshaped themselves and I think they could be a potentially a problem plus another year with Quinton Byfield this could be really interesting um the Edmonton Oilers trend up or trend down this is probably the first time I've ever said this but I'm trending up on the Edmonton Oilers finally finally somebody actually listens the last Like the last few years, what has been the Oilers' problem? It has been goaltending in a lot of ways. They've addressed it. Mike Smith is just too old. Miko Koskinen is just way too inconsistent. And finally, they signed themselves a goaltender in Jack Campbell, which is coming off of a Toronto roster, which the Maple Leafs, they've always been a first-round exit. But what they're bringing to the table in Edmonton, you got Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, complete consistency. And um, now Duncan Keith is retired, but they also got themselves some very nice complimentary weapons. So to me, the defense is going to look a lot better. You're going to have a trustworthy goaltender who's honestly going to produce a lot of saves. 
And this is exactly what the Oilers have been asking for for the last few years. They need somebody at a wall. So I think the Oilers definitely trended up. Um, the Calgary Flames. I'm trending them up. Because here's the thing. The Flames, yes, they're they're without Johnny Hockey. They're, they're moved on. But you know what? They, they brought in somebody new. They not only let go of Johnny Hockey, but they brought in Nazim Kadri, which is coming off of a Stanley Cup victory, brings a lot of hype and energy into the team, and also shapes up well with this roster with Elias Lindholm and um, Andrew Mangiapani. So this offense looks young. Plus, they got rid of Matthew Kachuk, and they swapped him for Jonathan Huberto. Like, that may be the massive steal that the Calgary Flames have done. And Jacob Markstrom, it's clear he is the true goaltender that Calgary needed after moving on from David Riddick and uh, Mike Smith as well. This is a much better and a little bit of a scary consistent roster. So I'm, I'm putting Calgary trending up. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, trend up or trend down? You know, I hate to do this because I know that I live here in Vegas. Not only am I a fan, but I'm trending them downward. And respectfully, there's a few reasons. Because not only do you have a strong core with Jack Eichel finally healthy, um, Mark Stone's got to get himself healthy, but there has been way too much pretty gaming-like type of play. It's time it's time to literally shape yourselves up, straighten yourselves up, and be better offensively because they've been getting too cute when it comes to goals. They haven't had anybody who surpassed the 40-goal mark since, since William Carlson ended up doing it in year one. Um, but also, too, Robin Leonard is out for the entire season with a messed-up hip. Um, so that kind of draws a little bit of a concern, but I do think Logan Thompson is a very good young prospected goaltender that they'll build their franchise around. Plus they also added in Phil Kessel after they traded away Max Pacioretty, who's going to be out for six months with a torn Achilles. So they filled in the veteran role. I think this was smart, but I think Phil Kessel probably going to be helping out this team to really start to score up some goals, but they trend downward for me. I'm in the central Colorado avalanche trend up, trend down. I I'm trending them up. They're staying consistent. There's really not much that I could say about this roster. I mean, yeah, they let go of Nazim Kadri and Andre Burakovsky, but they're going to recover. They do. They do keep Josh Manson. They do keep a bunch of real good play uh, pieces that they've had during the Stanley cup run. And their defense is solid. Now, Darcy Kemper's gone, so the goaltending looks a little different, but I think they'll still stay consistent after winning it. So they're trending up for me. Um, the St. Louis Blues, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, but I still kind of have them trending up. There's there's still too many good pieces on this roster. Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, Tori Krug, um, and Jordan Bennington. As long as the consistency in the goaltending is good, that's fair enough for me. But St. Louis, I know they got to really shape themselves up because they've been the team that's been eyeballed by every team in the league. They are. And after winning that Stanley Cup in 2019, they've been tough. But 
they still got to get themselves right and get themselves consistent. So I still have them trending up. Uh, Minnesota Wild, I've got them trending downwards because right now, with as far as latest reports from um, Kirill Kaprizov and the last few changes that they've made, um, I do think this is a really, really good roster, but I think they're going to be kind of too much in their heads because of a lot of different um, a lot of different news for, from all around the league. And however Kaprizov is really going to end up playing, this is going to be interesting. Um, plus two, they ended up losing Kevin Fiala to that trade with the LA Kings. So I think they might lose their ace in the hole when it comes to offense. Um, Chicago Blackhawks, they're trending down. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Blackhawks. There's just like the Chicago Bears, they're so stuck on tradition. The goaltending's not great. The they still have Jonathan Taves and they still have Patrick Kane. If you don't trade either one of those pieces away and get some type of cap value and draft picks or anything, I can't take you seriously. So they're trending downward for me. Columbus Blue Jackets trend up or trend down. I kind of seeing the Columbus Blue Jackets trending up. They get Johnny Gaudreau. They've got Patrick Laine. Now, the only downside is Alexander Tessier is out for quite some time. He stepped himself away. But there are some promising factors that you could look at. I mean, Elvis Merz-Lincolns, you really got to think he's going to have a rebounding year for Columbus. I think this is going to be a solid roster. Um, so I think they might actually be a team that might shoot for that spot in the playoffs. But it just depends on how this roster really gels. Um, Carolina Hurricanes trend up or trend down. This is a team that's definitely trending up. They've got massively on defense. And they literally got rid of nobody. So you got Dougie Hamilton. You got Brent Burns. You have Andre, like Andre Shvetsnikov and several other offensive pieces, and especially Sebastian Ajo. How could you not love this Carolina roster? Now, goaltending's kind of interesting, but to me personally, I'm like, you gotta love how this roster really shapes up. So. To me, I think in every single way possible, I think that this is going to be an interesting roster, tough roster, and I think Carolina's in the right direction. Um, New York Rangers, trend up, trend down. They're definitely trending up for me. The Rangers, they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, by the way, we saw the best of Mika Sabanajed. We saw the best of Adam Fox. And um, I'd like to see the best of Alexis Lafreniere. And they did end up keeping Capococco. So they're hoping this is a make it or break it year for Capococco. Because number two overall pick, you better hope that he is offensively producing. Because the last thing you need is a wasted draft pick. So, But to me, they've, they found themselves the right head coach. I think they found exactly their right goaltender. Igor Shosturkin looked phenomenal all the way through the playoffs. So I think this is a promising roster for the um, for the New York Rangers. So I really do like where they're sitting at in this division. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers, trend up or trend down? 
Um, right now, I have him slightly trending down. But the only thing about this is, is that you'll lose Claude Giroux in the middle of that roster. The other part of it is, too, like injuries really hit them. So, and they only acquired maybe two pieces, Nicholas Delorier um, and Tony D'Angelo. Now, you might get some help on the defense because Ryan Ellis is going to be coming back this year. But Tony D'Angelo next to him, you better hope that this... This team really does gel. But I love Cam Atkinson. I think he really works with this Philadelphia roster. Um, and then you have John Tortorella. But as far as how this team gels, it's going to be tough to say. I may have them as my sneaky pick in the playoffs. But as far as where things are set, the only thing that scares me is about injuries with this Philadelphia Flyers team. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins... Trend up or trend down. Um, I think Pittsburgh, to me personally, they are trending upwards. Um, Tristan Jari is clearly a hit, and they've got several other um, young players. Jake Gensel, uh, Jason Zucker, and you still bring back the cast. Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. That's a roster that's got plenty of experience, and the Penguins would love to be back in the playoffs again. And I think for as much of the consistency that you're going to get from this roster, um, Pittsburgh might end up doing their absolute best. But for how long that this will continue for the next couple of years, it's questionable because of those three key pieces. So um, might be interesting to see with you know with what they do with um, with Pittsburgh in the end. Um, Detroit Red Wings trend up or trend down you know I've got Detroit trending up because my god were they busy Steve Iserman was on the phone he was super super busy plus um, they've acquired a lot of really good players they got David Perron they've got um, a really talented defenseman so in the end I think this is a great bright future for this Red Wings team when you've got Dylan Larkin, in another year as a captain, he's excited. I think this is going to really shape up offensively. We may not see the same Detroit team as we have years and years ago, but this is trending in the right direction. So I think that Detroit, they'll be a team that's going to win more games than what they finished with last year, but this is a much better much consistent roster so i think this will be interesting i like what they're what they're doing here tampa bay lightning trending up trending down they're clearly trending up i mean there's no there's no weakness to tampa bay's game now uh, of course you've got injuries that really hit them they made it to the Stanley cup final and um and by the way they did this without blake coleman because Blake Coleman, the second he went out there to Calgary, that's a scary offense. Um, they still manage to be consistent. As long as the offense flows through Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, and Braden Point, this Lightning team is just, it's a dynasty. It's the dynasty that's in the making. They've already won two Stanley Cups. And that's a team that's going to be constantly in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They are not that easy to really... Um, eliminate so that's why i've got them trending upwards um florida panthers trending up trending down i've got the florida panthers um 
I kind of got them slightly trending up, and the only reason of that is now they they traded two remarkable players. So they got rid of Jonathan Huberdo, who's now in color in, in uh, Calgary, and they pick up Matthew Kachuk. That's kind of an interesting pickup, in my opinion, but I think he might work with this Florida roster because you're looking at two players that are very competitive, they're very productive, and Alexander Barkov, I think we might see a little bit more of the production caliper on his end, but the defense, I thought, was much better than what the the last couple seasons have given them, and Sergei Bobrovsky, I think, after seeing him consistently last year, this might actually bring Florida back into the playoffs. All right, and then finally, um, Ottawa Senators trending up or trending down. So this might shock a lot of you guys, but I have the Ottawa Senators trending up. Um, Claude Giroux, Alex Dabrinkit, there's been several pieces that Ottawa spent all throughout this offseason, and they drafted really good. I think the Senators this year, they're not going to be a great team. But they'll be good enough to win some games. They'll be good enough to stay in the middle of situations to try to potentially win games. So I think the Ottawa Senators, this is kind of an interesting roster from top to bottom. But I love everything that I've seen from what Ottawa's done. Now, this is priming up for them to at least getting a brand new stadium set. But this is the right way that you wanted to do this with the Ottawa Senators. So I got them slightly trending up. All right. I think we kind of got an idea of at least a lot of these NHL teams. Because, again, I, I just see the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Like, after hearing about Robin Leonard hurting his hip and you got Logan Thompson in the middle of it, they did acquire Aiden Hill. Um who was with San Jose and Arizona for a split time. Um, they got themselves a backup goaltender because now Laura Brossois is ended up hurt. So there's, um, I think a lot of this is centering around uh, Logan Thompson to really be that quality goaltender they need him to be. He's young. He's raw. He's somebody that I think really does work well with this organization. So um, it's clear how this organization really pans out and how it really shapes up. Um, you know, I think this will be fun. I think this will truly be interesting. Um, all righty, guys. Thank you so much for being up here up on the show. And by the way, too, this is also be starting up new. But if you haven't done so already, if you have Twitter, tune in to the Snake Sports Talk Show's episode recap on Twitter. You can look it up at the Twitter feed and the Twitter account with the link below in the description. You can definitely tune in. We'll have more Twitter spaces as well as far as recaps go, recapping the show, what we've learned, answering questions from all of you guys as the fans. Tell me what your thoughts were on a lot of segments here up on the show because I love engaging with fans. I love very much um, you know, spreading the love, spreading the support, so I love it with all of you guys, and I thank every single one of you guys, and you guys are the reason this show continues on. So I appreciate every single one of you guys, so definitely tune in. Twitter space is definitely happening here in a couple of minutes, so definitely tune in. You don't want to miss it. 
It's Jake the Snake signing off here on the Spotlight Sports Network. Have a great day and have a great week, and we will see you on the next episode of the Snake Sports Talk Show. Take care of yourselves. Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now.